Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. Uh, before we get started, just to let you know, this episode's with my buddy Alex Hart. You may recognise his name because the last podcast I did with him was also a movie podcast, just like this one. Um, this time, we instead of just doing like general movies, we're talking about our favourite movies of 2017. We have top five lists each. Um, we have a few honourable mentions as well, so ones that we really liked didn't quite make the list. Uh, and also we talk about movies that we didn't like. Um, to be fair, I didn't like a few movies. Uh, or I say didn't like. Movies that were like especially bad. Um, but Alex only really hates one movie of last year, but <laughs> quite early on in the podcast he does mention it. So, you know, there's not really much suspense or waiting to hear about that. Um, but we do get, uh, we speak about it a little bit at the start, but we, we primarily at the start do the top five lists. And then about the hour sort of mark, we then just get onto our honourable mentions and the movies that we really hated me and alex both run a movie instagram page called i am movies um it should be in the uh, podcast artwork or the episode artwork rather um and anywhere that i post on social media you'll be able to see it uh, and also be in the description so it's quite easy to find both if you just type in i am movies into instagram or if you you know specifically check all the info and see it um i think that's about it really yeah just this podcast we pretty much exclusively talk about movies and when i say pretty much i'm i don't know if we even talk about anything that isn't movies so if you don't care about mine or alex's opinion in movies and you're not that into movies well i don't even I'm, i'll be surprised how you got this far for being honest with you but yeah just so you know the next this is all going to be about movies um next week's uh is going to be with my buddy bradley um we just have a general chat um i recorded it a month or so ago so i can't actually fully remember off the top of my head right now um what it is so it will be a surprise for everyone thanks as always for listening guys and i'll be back at the end welcome to genuine chit chat where we have honest conversations with interesting people and i'm your host mike burton Fuck cunt. No. <laughs> you can't say. Oh, so I'm guessing when we put up a billboard, you can't say shit, fuck or cunt. <laughs> or that be okay. ass. That should oh. be fine then. <laughs> um, Alright, guys. Hello. Uh, welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. Uh, I'm with my buddy Alex once again, and Hello. we're going to have another podcast about movies. Um, so we're going to go through uh, in 2017 all our favourite movies, really. I mean, we, I think we're going to say what our top five movies are. Um, we've got a few honorable, honorable mentions, uh, and we've also got sort of what uh, films we didn't like. There weren't that many bad films this year, I don't think. I think the majority of the films this year were just all really like quite meh, like yeah. somewhere between like sixty five percent and like eighty percent. There's like most of the films this year were like, yeah, that was, that was fairly good. I probably wouldn't go to the cinema or watch it again, but you know, there's quite a few movies. No, definitely. Like, but then the ones that do stink, they they were. Truly fucking awful. Well, yeah, but the film you hate the most this year was one of the films I liked quite a lot, so... Yeah, <laughs> obviously this is a diverse podcast. Yeah, well, well, that's it, that's what it's all about. It's all about Only one of us can be right. <laughs> Fight to the death. Well, it's my podcast, I'll just edit out all the points that you make that make it sound like you're doing good films. So Alex, why'd you hate this film? Well, and I'll just edit it in you saying something like farts or something, Yeah. and that'll be it. And then I'll come across and I'll like edit my own voice in, so I've like researched this and looked at loads of reviews, and it'll, you won't release to the podcast, it'll make it sound like I've done loads of research and I'm clever. You'll take the parts that I say about Justice League and you'll swap it with another film, so it actually sounds like I'm praising yeah. Justice I'll League. I'll do it with, like, um, I won't spoil what you say your favourite film is yet, but we'll say like, um, I'll put it as um, whatever you describe, like this film, it's got all the plot you'd ever need, and the characters are believable, everything about it, like how realistic the movie is, and then it's like, I change it so you're talking about Justice League. Yes. I think that would be... Yes, be Fishman. And... Alright then, let's get started. So, where would we like to start then? Should we, should we start with, I think maybe a good thing would be um, kind of like each 
like we've got yeah if we work down, down each yeah then we can we'll, talk we'll about start, each one i was gonna say we can start in a sort of way like we can start with the fifth one and then we can also say one of the honorable mentions and then kind of go like that so okay here's, here's our fifth favorite but also here's another one which was close sort of thing yeah that makes um, sense so do you, want, do you want to hit us off then what, what do you think the, the in your opinion of all the films i want to clarify sorry we haven't unfortunately seen as many films as we'd like to there's, we, mm, there's been quite I slept a lot of, this year yeah both of us have been quite busy with a few uh personal things this year so we haven't been able, more so alex than myself um but we because he moved to Wales and stuff, as in the other podcast, so he's had a lot of stuff going on with his life. Um, so he hasn't had as much of a chance to see as many movies. I mean, because mm-hmm. we haven't seen, neither of us have seen that Moonlight movie that everyone bums and goes on about. But it, technically, it was last season because it came out with last Oscar season. So again, like La La Land and films like that, it was. Yeah. So technically, yeah. we, we did. It's on Netflix. We can catch up. Yeah, but, but before you, uh, before you say your one, um, I'll just actually quickly interject and say that. I haven't. Um, I don't think you you haven't put Star Wars on your list, have you? No. But no, no. I really enjoyed it, and I think like for what you're going to say, I agree totally. Yeah. Well, my my thing was just um, yeah. I, I obviously I'm a huge Star Wars fan, and I will just put a thing in here that if I did if I was doing being true, I'd say Star Wars is the best film. But I don't actually think Star Wars was the best film this year, The Last Jedi. Um, I stick to with the film I chose as number one. But if we're going through films that we personally enjoy the most, which is more so what we're going for, it would be Star Wars. But it's just I'm such a massive Star Wars nerd that it, it almost doesn't matter how good other films would be because I just love the expanding of the lore in the universe. Yes. Um, so in that regard, I love Star Wars. It would be number one. But th- anyone who knows me or listens to the podcast enough knows that I fucking love Star Wars. So there's just no point. <laughs> so without me dribbling on, uh, Alex, would you like to go ahead? Yeah, my fifth favourite movie of the year was Detroit. I'd say um, I wasn't expecting too much from this film um, I think I, I I enjoyed the trailer um, I wasn't too fussed about seeing it and then I watched it and I thought it was great it was casted uh, it was a stellar cast the whole way through and I really was really engaged with the whole plot and the premise of what was happening Yeah. and it really engrossed me and I thought it was brilliant I really really did enjoy it um, I think it took everything I was kind of concerned about it and thinking what kind of film it was going to be like yeah. and stripped that and it became a really really real film and yeah I thought it was absolutely and it was shot fantastically hmm. um, it was just really enjoyable really yeah. enjoyable uh, uh, well I agree with you I mean um, <laughs> Detroit is actually my number one film uh, funnily enough trying to keep this all vaguely under wraps some sort of tension yeah. but obviously I failed miserably at that um, yeah I think Detroit Detroit's my favourite film um, I'll go into it more when it's as my go for number one but I, I'll agree with everything you said there um, I think Detroit for me personally was the best film um, of the year um, as you said I think the casting was perfect I think John Boyega was amazing in it um, I obviously love John Boyega because of Star Wars and Attack mm-hmm. the Lock um, and then Will Poulter he was phenomenal he was the, the main sort of bad cop sort of thing in it yeah he's great you, I love seeing well, him you hated stuff. him so much in that film but he's such a nice guy like there's a podcast with him and um, Scroobius Pip which I really recommend because they talk about Detroit uh, quite a lot uh, Will Porter he's also the one in We're the Millers um, yeah he's he great, great he does the, um, the and he's, rap he's, about the rain exactly yeah and he's in he's in The Revenant as well um, yeah he's great everything I've seen him in he's been absolutely fantastic in and he's, he's a very very good actor and I thought Detroit really hit home uh Really, it was it was just it, it invoked more of an emotional response than anything else I've seen. But I'll, I'll get a little bit more into that. Uh, oh, it's go. fab! Yeah, no, I absolutely loved it. So, do you want to see one of your honourable mentions then? Honourable mentions would be uh, Get Out. I was going to put this higher on the list, but I think the response from everybody has just proved how successful it was. And I think obviously there's some other films that I think still need to be highlighted. So, Get Out would 
probably have made the list, but just because of how much of a success it was to everybody and cinema, and Josh was it Josh Peel who directed it. Yeah, because um, he's. I think Josh Peel. He's the one who was also in it. He was the friend who was like the the comedic humor. No, no, that, that that's someone else. Yeah, it looks like him. <laughs> oh, is it not <laughs> the same guy? No, no, not the same guy. Oh wow, man. But um, yes, yeah, he, he's and being known as a comic um director and mm. sort of everything he's done previously to get out was comical and it has always been brilliant but this was his first debut as, as making a thriller and there yeah. was lots of comedy elements within the film mm. but it was just great and like i said it would made the list but i think everybody has agreed that this film's come out of nowhere from a first time director of this type of film and mm. just hit out of the park so i think giving an honorable mention is is understandable and like I said, there's other films that I think could have just could just kind of nudged into the list. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, because um, the thing is, I realised when we were talking about this, because obviously we looked up some of the films and whatnot to try and uh, rejig our memory um, of this year. Uh, my uh, fifth film, or fifth best, is Get Out. I, I think, yeah. yeah, I think I almost bought it and I didn't and I kind of regret it, but I found it was all the actors in it, every, every single cast member was absolutely That's fantastic. Fair. I thought... It was so tense and gripping the whole way through. You really didn't know how it was going to go. I found... I won't spoil it, obviously. We won't be... Just for clarify, we should have said at the start, we won't be spoiling any of these films. We won't ruin anything that happens in it, in any of them. Um, except Last Jedi. I'll quickly spoil it now. No. Um, <laughs> quick, every, everyone dies in the whole film. Yeah, there's not even going to be a ninth one. No. Um, Get Out, I thought, was fantastic. I thought all the acting in it was absolutely phenomenal. I thought it was really... The thriller, obviously, it's, it's kind of... When it was marketed, it was like, is this a horror or what is it? But it, it's definitely more of a, a thriller, kind of psychological, and also it's very uh, racially uh, fueled, which has been quite a common theme here, obviously with Detroit as well yeah, and definitely. with Get Out, and both of them are phenomenal films uh, and both really hit home. So anyone who hasn't seen Get Out, if anyone likes any kind of thriller, um, or even if you're not that into thrillers, it's just I think it's one of those core films which can almost appeal to anyone because oh, it's so yeah. brilliant even for a genre you would appeal to people who aren't necessarily into horror and thriller films that much but i don't think i've seen a bad review for it i think it's everybody agreed that it was a fantastic just performance based it's one of those thriller. films yeah it's one of those films where in that genre you kind of it's almost impossible to say it's a bad film because mm. in that like in a comedy film loads of people got different tastes you know action films a lot of people say they're all the same star wars and other really big blockbusters there's always fans that are split over them but with get out it was it was a thriller, and if you do the thriller right, then you, you, you've done it stellar, you know? It did. Um, so, yeah, I agree. Uh, my honourable mention, um, which was very close, um, was, uh, I'll say, this one would probably be uh, The Disaster Artist. Oh, fantastic. Is yeah. one of my, uh, I thought that film, because obviously we've both seen The Room, and I actually did, I won't go into The Disaster Artist too much, because I've done a whole podcast about The Disaster Artist with, um, with Tom. Uh, but I thought, yeah, Disaster Ice was hilarious. It, it really makes me like the movie The Room more. Uh, oh, it's fab. Oh, yeah, and the actor, James Franco, character acting is phenomenal. He did so well. And the whole film, the way it was all made, it's heartwarming and it's funny, but it's one of those things you need to really see The Room to really appreciate it. I don't think you need to see The Room, though. I'm, I've Loads of people have seen it and they haven't seen The Room. Even um, my favourite reviewer, Chris Stuckman, I think it's Chris Stuckman on the other one, uh, Jeremy Giles, He's not seen the room, but he just understood the film, and I don't, and I think because obviously they're making the film mm. in the film, yeah. so I don't think you necessarily need to see the film to understand it. You can appreciate it more, and there's lots of stuff you'll appreciate from it. But I think also if you went on into it not knowing the room, you would really get a grasp for 
this guy. <laughs> I kind of look at it in a similar way that I would describe watching The Force Awakens in a way, where you can watch Star Wars The Force Awakens without seeing any of the other ones, mm. because it all does make sense without them. But I just feel like the viewing experience is maybe even doubled when you've seen the other ones. You get it. something out of it that's different, but I think you can definitely still enjoy it. I think you can. I would just say there's almost no point, because if you watch it, you're going to probably want to watch The Room anyway, and then yeah. you'll go back to re-watching Disaster Artist. And I think The Room is so obscure, it's kind of better to see The Room without knowing anything about it, apart from it's terrible. And then once you've seen it that's terrible, then you watch Disaster Artist to kind of explain it more. But obviously I've got no problem in seeing it before seeing the film. Like yeah. I just think that you'd enjoy it more. But yeah, you definitely can enjoy it without... Um, okay, so let's go on to um, let's go on to number four then. Uh, actually, do we want to say? Well, no, actually, I've, I haven't got that many bad films, so I think I was going to save the bad films. Yeah, I'm gonna, I've only got one bad film. Yeah, I've, 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 I've let three, every, but the I'll, three I've got you haven't seen. So. I let off every bad film other than this one this year, so I'm going to save mine to the end. That's because fine. I can really roast this absolute part of dog shit. Oh god, we're going to disagree on this, but that's fine. Um, right, so number number four, um, what have you got? Four, I've got it. So Stephen King adaptation, which everyone was really cautious about no one really asked for it no one really wanted it um it got kind of more popular when they really released the cast and the casting choices and what they were doing with it and i think everybody kind of was like yeah okay and then the first trailer come out and everybody's like okay i can get down with this then it come out and it was just like they really did it well like yeah it was perfect mix like it wasn't too horror based but it was so Stand By Me is one of my favourite films of all time. And to have a film which just kind of echoes the friendship and the, the battles that they, these guys are going through together, it just, oh, it's just fantastic. It's heartwarming. Yeah. It's a heartwarming horror story, which is odd to say. Yeah. But I think it was fantastic. And the, the cast did amazing. Um, Pennywise was absolutely fantastic. And I was really worried about that because um, to stand on the shoulders of... Uh, Jim, I can't forget his name. Tim Curry. Tim Curry, sorry. Mm. To, to to then perform as Pennywise like he does in this film, I think they've done such a such a fantastic and stellar job. Yeah. And it, it is probably, if not the best Stephen King adaptation ever made. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the other ones because there's there's The Shining, which I actually don't like. Uh, the film of which is probably in Stephen King's eyes his worst adaptation. He said he doesn't like. The Shining, yeah, and it's so far from the book that it technically isn't an adaptation of the the book. It's almost like a reimagining of, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Well, what's the other Stephen King? I know Stand by Me is one, isn't it? Stand by Me, yeah, that's the I book. Seen Stand by the, Me. The book's called The Body. Right. Um, that film's absolutely fantastic. Oh, There's got, loads of films, old school the, horror the films. Mist as well. The Mist is great. Yeah, you've got um, Pet Cemetery. Mm-hmm. You've got oh, this this. The there's Car- someone there's Carrie there's Misery uh... Misery's fantastic Carrie's alright have you seen a remake of Carrie uh, yeah I've seen both are, are bo- are, what are they both didn't like? really enjoy the first one so didn't really enjoy the second one either the second one was absolutely awful the remake with um... yeah so I haven't seen either the remakes with that girl in it uh, is it Chloe Moret Chloe the one from Kickass. Yeah, that's the girl. Chloe Moretz love it or something like that I'm actually going to change my list now because of what we've just said and we're speaking about right for another film on my list because we were just talking about Stephen adaptations and there's three Stephen King adaptations that come out this year were they? yeah so one was it which was one that went to cinema and then there was two that were Netflix original movies oh yeah I heard about one of them I so can't... I'm not going to release what say what it is now because I'm going to save that but I'm definitely just going to rub off one of these or okay. make it just an honourable mention because this film 
absolutely blew me away. Well, I was thinking some of our honourable mentions, I realise, are each other's films. So yeah. instead of ruining it for the rest of them, what we'll do, thinking about it now, even though it's kind of contradictory to start, we should plan this a bit better. Sorry, guys. We'll, we'll talk about the honourable mentions after. Okay. After all of them. Perfect. Cause otherwise, because there's quite a few here. Let's write it down so I don't forget. Yeah, because it's just because there's a, there's a couple of honourable mentions, which one of my honourable mentions is your top one film, and I don't want to ruin it. Um, yeah. Obviously, Detroit. We yeah. We'll do that. That's it. Um, so, so your so your fourth was it? Okay. Yeah. My, definitely. My fourth uh, was Logan. Um, oh, fantastic! Yeah. And one of the reasons I found this, I was I was quite torn uh, with Logan because I mean this year for superhero, got, you know, Thor, Spider-Man: Homecoming, and Logan, they're all fantastic movies. Um, but I found Logan for me really delivered exactly what everyone's always wanted about Wolverine you know some people yeah. I know still haven't seen it and they're because a lot of people like my buddy Kieran and uh, my uh, brother Justin they're both like I'm just kind of sick of superhero films nowadays I'm just kind of there's too many of them blah 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 and I get that but this is not like any other it's kind of like the way I describe Logan to people is it's basically it's not even a superhero film it's actually just like a a kind of uh, what's the other word what's the opposite of a utopia um, dystopia that's the one I couldn't think of the word uh, it's like a dystopian almost kind of future but it's like not too distant future and it's very realistic it's just one or two of the characters in it have got certain powers and it, they balance it so well and it's a real good standalone film and I found that another thing with it is what I loved about it is how brutal it is without oh, yeah. it's not like glorified over the top violence for no reason it's Wolverine is meant to be this untethered guy his he's got claws that are made out of like incredibly dense metal and cut through everything and we saw a clip of it in x-men apocalypse there's that wolverine scene and x-men have you seen apocalypse yeah 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 apocalypse i didn't think it was that great of a film no um, it's dog shit i just found it was basically days of future past and first class but worse in every single way yeah definitely except the wolverine scene where he goes oh mental. it's fab yeah that's the alternative future wasn't it yeah and he just brutalizes everyone it's amazing that's great yeah but and in logan i find it's tasteful amounts of violence the plot is fantastic. The acting is amazing. And yeah, I was just... I was... It hit all my expectations and beyond. Really. Yes, definitely. I, all, I agree. All I really wanted was basically, let's have um, a mixture between X-Men 2 and X-Men Origins Wolverine, but everything that was wrong with the two of them, get rid of yeah. and make it more adult. And they basically just wiped the floor with it in a great way. So, it did. And I think Deadpool should get a shower just because... Influenced. That was the film that was a catalyst on it. they realised that they could make adult superhero films and they could be hugely successful. And the director directed the other Wolverine film, which was called The Wolverine. Yeah, I wasn't a biggest fan of that. No, and the director said himself mm. that it wasn't the film that he wanted to make. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, there was studio, studio pressure and a lot of things that restricted him. Yeah. And he wanted the Wolverine to be like Logan but he couldn't Yeah. and then obviously Deadpool came out everyone oh crap you can actually make a really X-rated Marvel film yeah. and everybody be like oh my god you can do it because the worry is always that they want to always make everything a 12 so you yeah. see it 12 is like the, the, the thing that means that they can get the most market from but yeah. no and then they, he, he had the chance to direct Logan Yeah. and in, he just hit it out of the park he oh. did everything he set out to be and achieve, and it was fantastic. I completely agree with that. So, what's what's your uh, what's your number th- your number three now? Mine's Logan. There we go. That's perfect. Mine, isn't it? Mine's Logan. Nice and, nice and easy uh, transition. Though. Yeah. So again, I absolutely love the movie. I think they did a stellar job. I, I it's, they hit out the park on ways that I didn't even think they were going to do, and I think they just did what I've always wanted hmm. Wolverine to be like. 
he is yeah. an animal at the end of the day with a hu- with with a human side and they tap more on the human side than ever in this film but then yeah. when they see this animal side of him he is the wolverine and he's he unleashed. is abs- and he, yeah he is literally unleashed and he can what he does and is when he does it is done so well Hmm. Well, one of the best uh, spin-off games I don't know if you ever played it was oh it's fantastic X-Men Origins Wolverine Uncaged oh, Edition it was oh, so good it was 18 and you like go away and you're just brutalising everyone you're yeah. going around and just killing and you're, it's just like an 18 it's adult and it's such a good game because it doesn't hold any punches oh it literally just you can grab people and just cut them in half and the heads off and oh fantastic it's like, that's um, what you would do like I've always made this point with Wolverine he has these huge adamantium claws that he can literally just cut anybody to pieces, and how he's avoided doing that for all the other movies, he does yeah. it. On, in parts, you, you can see things, but they've really toned it down. Mm-hmm. It's like, come on! Like, it, literally, if I had stuff like that, I would probably stab myself at least twice a day accidentally, mm-hmm. and there'd be more blood than all the other films put together just from accidentally stabbing myself in the knee. <laughs> just like, sneeze and slice her. In yeah, the exactly. Like, oh, and there'd be more blood than all the other films put together, back. which is bizarre. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Yeah, Logan, fantastic. Um, Killer. Right, so we're on number three now. Um, well, you're on three. Yeah, I'll, I'll say my third because we've already actually uh, discussed it. Um, as I said, we've, we agree on quite a lot of these things. This film, this year for films has been very much uh, a lot of really okay to quite enjoyable films. Mm. But there's only really, I think, about ten films this year that really stand out. And we agree on them quite a lot. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, my third one is It. Um, not to just repeat everything that you said earlier, but um, I found it was just phenomenal. I was, I haven't seen the original um, because it's obviously it's not a movie; it's two episodes. It's a mini series. To- yeah, yeah, it's a mini series, but it totals like three hours long, and three hours a long time. You know, there's, there's only a couple of. I know it's a mini series, but it's kind of like a film, and it's like the only films I've seen that are that long that are great is basically the Lord of the Rings films and Wolf of Wall Street. Like I can't think of any. Uh, three-hour films um, that are actually worth the full three hours. Director's cut of High School Musical 3. <laughs> yeah, it's got some sort of horrendous, <laughs> like, heroin uh, sub-story thing with, like, um, one of the members gets, like, an extra Yeah, heroin. Zac Efron dies in it. Oh, man. That's he's like brought a... back, though. It's he... all right. <laughs> he's brought back. In yeah, that's in the extras. You think he dies, and there's a half-an-hour extra cut of him coming up from the grave. <laughs> Oh, it's man. a great song. It's a great song. Oh Christ! It does like it does like his own rendition of Thriller. Yeah, oh. it's basically that, but with Zac Efron and more basketballs. Imagine, imagine how many people you could upset by creating a film with High School Musical three, where Zac Efron dies, comes back, and does Thriller. Yeah. <laughs> like, that would upset so That'd many people. That'd be great. Be like a high school shooting film. Oh God! Yeah. Set in the High School Musical world. Are there any high school shooting films yet? Yeah, there's one come out this year about um, one of the biggest ones ever. Um, what's his name? Was it Sandy Hook? No. As in the, the place... Palmer? What's his name? Sorry? Oh, was this... Palmer? How did you say his name? Who? Was it, are you talking about the guy from Norway? Who, not Norway. The, the European guy went to the island and went to that kid's holiday place and shot No, no. Or? This is at school. Let me... Um, let me... Uh, let me Google, Google it. You, you... Movie podcast. Yeah, I'll keep talking about it then. But um, yeah, with it, one of the things uh, I loved about it was that the... I'm not a big fan of child actors, you know. The only real films I've seen recently that I love, which have got kids in it, because um, normally they just piss me off, to be honest, uh, or over or underact. Well, Stranger Things, I think it's one of the best series out there. I think that's phenomenal. And South Park pointed this out, and I only realised it when I saw the South Park episode about it, but It and Stranger Things are almost the same movie. 
Like you don't. Yeah. Really, it's it's obviously they're very, they are different, but I know Stranger Things is also not a uh, movie; it's a series. But it's basically kids fighting about uh, like a some sort of crazy evil uh, spirit being thing. Um, and it, it's funny because one of the kids who plays Mike in Stranger Things plays yeah. a kid in it. And I, one of the things that struck me most about it that made it so brilliant was it's it's quite long for a horror film, but it doesn't feel long at all. It's uh, the horror bits. They're really, really tense. They're definitely creepy and do make the, your sort of skin up on end. Mm. Um, and you really, Pennywise is scary. He's really messed. Especially, I, mean, I won't spoil it for anyone, but that starting scene where everyone who's seen it will know what I'm talking about. It comes out of nowhere, and you're like, "What?" And as soon as within five minutes of the film starting, you know this film's going to be good. It's really going to hold no punches. And um, I found all the kids acting in it was absolutely fantastic. I, I love them all, and I found the when it wasn't being incredibly dark, the the light of it, when it was mm-hmm. being funny, was so funny. Like, there was points when me and Callum went, I think, did you come with us? I can't remember. I'm not too sure. I can't remember either. But I know me and Callum saw it together, and I can't remember if we saw it with you as well, but um, the 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 humour of it really got me. Where oh, they did. They the, the did guy a great plays, job. I should really know his name, but um, I think his name might be Michael or something, but um, the guy who played uh, Mike in Stranger Things, um, who's also in... It his there's certain parts where then everything's quite serious and then he makes a joke about someone's mum and it's obviously intentionally not funny because he's just like a 13, 14 year old kid and he puts his hand up to high five people like ha hey, yeah like your mum puts his hand up to high five and just looks at him yeah. and it's like when that happens me and Callum are literally crying in the cinema when that's happening and it like it's yeah, so happens, good and then it cuts really dark happens and then it cuts back and it's just oh it's the perfect way to do comic relief not yeah, like Jar Jar Binks uh, yeah god but um I found, yeah, very funny film, surprisingly, really tense, and everything a horror film should be. I think they did... The the thing with it... You've never seen the original It, the no. TV series. No. Okay, so probably most people will agree on me with this, who I've spoke to have seen the film. Okay, so obviously there's two episodes to the first film, both about an hour and a half long yeah. over that. Yeah. The first half, which has come out as the first It, was always the strongest part of that film series uh, or mini series the first episode with the kids was always absolutely amazing so they made this remake just as good or even better than the original so obviously when this new one comes out it's going to be taking the second part of the mini series which is always the weakest part of it so I don't have any doubt in my mind that they're going to just improve what could have been better in the first when it first come out because it's not it is probably the the slowest and more boring part of the the original film yeah. so i'm really really with what how the well they've done this film i'm so happy in the direction that they're going <clears throat> and once they've revealed the casting i just know that i know that they're going to do a great job i'm yeah. I'm, I'm really happy because to be fair it does it stinks the second half like there is redeeming factors of it but I just know that they're going to do a really good job of it now. It's one of those things where it's, I'm like, happy. Well, it's 27 years later, isn't it? It's, that's kind of the... Yeah, so... It, yeah, it's, it's, it's like 27 years later, and then all the kids end up going back somehow. I, I haven't seen the second part, uh, so I don't actually know, and obviously we won't say what happens, because it will just kind of half-spoil it. But I think the next one, was it out 2019 or 2020 or something like that? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not too sure. But they'll do a great job. Um, I'm not spoiling anything when... No. I say this, but the original ending of the original film, yeah, no one likes. <laughs> yeah, it's the most stupid decision that Stephen King ever made. Right. So, I'm really looking forward to them absolutely nailing 
the ending that we always always wanted. I was, I was just going to say I just um, I looked up the director of it because I was um, I was curious what else he made if I'd seen anything and he hasn't made anything else that I've seen. He's only actually made a few films, but one of the more recent films he made that a lot of people loved was Mama. Mama. Uh, Mama. Yeah, it was direct. I think it was somehow co-made by Gilda Toro. Yeah, yeah Gilda Toro was the executive producer. Yeah, um, but that was a horror. Film. I haven't seen that. Have you seen it? This one with um, Jennifer Lawrence. Not Jennifer Lawrence. No, that's Mother. Um, no, no, Jennifer. Uh, this one has got. Um, so I'm just looking at the cast. Yeah, it's the horror Jessica film with the two Chastain girls. Chastain as Annabelle, Nicolaj Costa Waldo as Lucas Desau. I've not seen it, but I've seen parts of it. It's a gothic horror it. film. Oh, yeah, can't you can't comment on a film if you've seen parts. No, of it. No, no, no. I just I, when it when it come out, they were obviously doing a lot about the director, so they showed loads of scenes from previous films that he'd done. Yeah. And obviously, my sister's seen it. She really enjoys it. Mm-hmm. I know the premise of the film. I know the one you're on about with the two little girls. And yeah. It's like a gothic horror story. Uh, um, apparently, um, yeah, the, what they're saying, I've just looked up about the second part of It. Um, apparently, they're aiming to release the sequel um, in 2019, September yeah. 6th. So okay. it's almost exactly two years. Um, and they said that... Um, yeah, there's a few screenwriters sorted for it. They, go, I think they said they're going to start writing the script for it uh, January 2018. Um, so yeah, we can expect that. We'll obviously, hopefully, if we can do this this sort of podcast next this year and next each year, that we can keep it keep it yeah. all going. How long I'm doing this? Um, right. So I've done my third film. So this this now film yours is this the original third you were going to say, or have you changed it this third? Because um, you can. Or you well, no, I said Logan was my third, didn't I? Logan was your third. Okay, so so far... I'm on to, second. So just to clarify so far, five, I've got Get Out, then four, I've got Logan, then three, I've got It. And yeah. What have you got? Five is Detroit, four is It, three is Logan. Okay, very close then. So right. very close. Yeah. So, no, I'm going to keep this film to an honourable mention, okay. just because... We'll save that for the end then. The other two films I've got on here, again, they just, just snubbed it out. Well, go on then. Say, um... You, so you're on number, th- uh, number two now, aren't I'm we? I'm on number two. So on, my one of my favourite films of the year, one that I truly enjoyed and thought it was an absolute masterpiece, was Dunkirk. Yeah. Um, we had the discussion earlier of this film. There was two major war films that came out this year. Yep. Both were absolutely brilliant parts well, of cinema. Well, let me just say, my funny, my number two is Hacksaw Ridge, which is the yeah. other. The two big war films that came out was Hacksaw Ridge and Dunkirk. So maybe, yep. maybe for this bit, we'll just discuss them both. Yes, definitely. So, go ahead. So with, with Dunkirk thing, because obviously we were discussing this beforehand and the thing was... I think Dunkirk, in my opinion, is probably a better film objectively due to cinematography, how unique it is, how different. And obviously Chris Nolan does a stellar job everything he fucking touches. Well, except Dark Knight Rises. Let's not talk about that. Um, the uh, But I find that, me personally, I prefer Hacksaw Ridge uh, as a movie. But if you want to go ahead, so what, what about Dunkirk really? What made you choose? Because I think Hacksaw Ridge is an honourable mention of yours, wasn't it? Yeah, it definitely yeah. is. Like, I very much enjoyed that. But Dunkirk is the pinnacle of visual storytelling. Mm. I said this to Mike earlier that there is amazing cast in it, but they don't rely on the cast superstardom to carry the movie. These yeah. are people stuck. These are portraying troops of our own that are stuck and they don't have to rely on their star power alone and their acting abilities. They just can use these people. Mm. And a lot of these actors, I believe obviously took this role knowing that they didn't want these massive epic speeches. They didn't want this huge epic moment. They just want to see their, their like what these guys did for us and what mm. happened is tragedy. Yeah. They just, they did. Well, I was going to say, one of the, uh, two of the things with Dunkirk that stood up to me was one thing is you heard a buzz about it when it came out was there's very little talking in it. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the whole thing. If if after seeing it, I I think I said to someone, if I wrote down dialogue wise everything, uh, mm. you could probably fit it on like four pieces of paper, probably. Probably. Like and most of it, I think, is Kenneth Browner's character. Yeah, for he's people who don't got know, the most speak. he's um he's fantastic in everything I've seen him really except. He wasn't as good as Poirot in Murder on the Orient Express, but he was Poirot in the Orient Express, and the, the place people probably know him the most is he played Lockhart in Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's him. He's Everything I see him in, he's really, really good in. Um, he was fantastic in that. Obviously, Tom Hardy was good, but my only criticism was kind of the opposite of what you said, which was, I love Killian Murphy, who um, was the PTSD-stricken uh, soldier who got picked up on the boat. Yeah. And Tom Hardy was flying the... the well, obviously, flying the plane. Um they're both two of the best British actors I think I've ever seen and I find that even though there were loads of other actors given opportunities which I quite liked so the main guy in it there's no main one because like three or four things going on at once but the guy who you see the most trailers I think who has the most screen time I haven't seen him in anything else you know the yeah. main one who's um, he's yeah. the one who starts off at the start and he's running away from the battle yeah, yeah. He, yeah. no I'm not sure I've seen um, him in anything he, he might have been in a few other things but <laughs> I like it. I like it in films when there's a big film coming out. Obviously, Nolan's a huge director, yeah. And they use people who are massive. Obviously, sometimes you need a couple of cornerstones of massive people to kind of make yeah. sure people be who are a bit unsure. Go, oh, this person's in the film. I'll go see it. Like with Tom Hardy and Killian Murphy. But what I like, what they did with the new Star Wars films, uh, with mainly the new trilogy, is you know they used Adam Driver, Oscar Isaac, Daisy Ridley, mm-hmm. John Boyega, who hadn't been in much really or anything at all. Where and with this, they had a few actors in who hadn't been anything else who did great jobs, but they also, I found that with Killian Murphy and mainly Tom Hardy's role, I found Tom Hardy's role could have kind of been done by anyone. But as you say, you can kind of use that and say, yeah, it could have been. So they kind of used his name a little bit, but it just shows that they weren't relying on, oh, the whole film's crap, but Tom Hardy's really good in it. Because yeah. Tom Hardy's role is so small, even though it's a big role in terms of the story, in terms of him actually acting, as he's in the, 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 the plane the whole time, pretty much. He's got the gap, the mask thingy on. So all you really see is his eyes. Yeah. So you don't. It is kind of. You can look at it in just perspective. Either. But that is acting, isn't it? Oh, yeah. it's, just, it's just a different but type I'll of acting. I tell you what surprised me about Dunkirk so much is how good Harry Styles was. Yeah, definitely. Like, and I think. He's um, really good. In yeah, that. he's really good. And I've seen him in a lot of stuff recently. Oh, really? What other stuff has he been in? He's, he, he performs quite a lot on The Late Late Show with James Corden. Oh, does he? Oh, and okay. he does a lot of stuff with that. And actually, like to be fair to him, uh, he has made me chuckle a few times. And I think he should get a few more roles. And I, I do think he's actually a, an all right bloke. Well, it's like um, Justin Timberlake, for example. He's a huge uh, singer, obviously. And some people don't like his acting, but I think he's fantastic. Oh, if he's great. Social Network, that's what yeah, He's a tight role. But yeah, fair yeah. enough. Like, but that's Will Smith. He's one of the biggest actors in the world. He's a tight role. Like I, I said before, I think I said in one of the other podcasts, it's Will Smith has three. There's three versions of Will Smith that you get. You get angry Will Smith, which yeah. is I am legend, I robot, that sort of thing. You get happy Will Smith, which is Fresh Prince of Bel Air and Men in Black, and you get sad uh, Will uh, Will Smith, which is Seven Pounds, Concussion, and Pursuit of Happiness. And yeah. there's no problem with that. Because I, I like Will Smith, I think he's a great actor, but he only seems to ever do those three ones. It's the, yeah. hey, joking around Will Smith, or I'm dead serious, everyone hate, I hate everyone because normally a family member's yeah. died. And also then there's the, yeah, I'm really sad, the world's downtrodden on me. And obviously a lot of people would go, well, that's three main character roles, there's not really anything that you can do with yeah. that. But then you, I could argue, you go with DiCaprio or Tom Hardy, and they're diff- and Killian Murphy, and they're different in every single role you see him in. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would agree Dunkirk was in my honourable mentions. Um, I will say also, um, for those who don't know, I'm going to post this on the movie page as well. Um, me and Alex, we spoke about this a little bit, where I've given certain reviews to certain movies, and then after time uh, of 
thinking about them and seeing other movies before, like Logan, I only gave that I think eighty six percent on um, on our. We have an Insta- Instagram page for those who don't know called I Am Movies. Uh, we review movies. We generally post every other day sort of thing depends on how many films are out and stuff we go see new films steelbooks blah blah, blah. those are other stuff we post about and uh, yeah with Logan I actually gave that less than I gave uh, Wonder Woman and Spider-Man because I think I gave Wonder Woman and Spider-Man about 88% but I gave Logan yeah. 86% but I rewatched Logan um, a couple of months ago and after time to absorb it I've really thought it's probably close to 90-91% for me yeah definitely so just to say if anyone does follow us on Instagram and stuff like that you know we'd love if you guys go go check that out but um, if anyone already does follow us on Instagram and looking and go what the fuck Mike had Logan as like 86 and he said Wonder Woman's worse than Logan it doesn't consistency so it's like sometimes you watch a film at the cinema and sometimes it takes a little bit of time to kind of absorb it or sometimes it takes another time to re-watch it to realise how good it is definitely uh, but yeah, I, found, I found Dunkirk was fantastic uh, but if I segue that onto my one, which was I think Hacksaw Ridge personally is better, but not, not objectively necessarily. I think they're both fairly even. Um, but one thing for Hacksaw Ridge I found is I found the start of it, your criticism of, of it was, um, I would say your criticism of Hacksaw Ridge, why you think Dunkirk's sort of better, and I'll kind of uh, defend it a bit. What if I say what, what I think? Why, you, what, what's, why, in your opinion, would you say Dunkirk takes place as opposed to Hacksaw Ridge? And I'll say sort of the opposite, why I think Hacksaw Ridge should take it. So like, what, what about Hacksaw Ridge were you not as... Well, I love Hacksaw Ridge, I'm not going to lie. Like, I think it's a fantastic movie, but I've seen it done. I've seen it, it not done better as such, but it's glamorised in lots of ways. Um, the visuals aren't as strong. The acting's fantastic, I really like the acting. Um, it's an amazing story, and yeah. what, what they portray and how it is, and especially what happens at the end, I think that's an amazing way. But I think... I, I've watched so many war movies. I've seen yeah. Hamburger Hill. I've seen Apocalypse Now. I've seen every probably war movie you can think of. Bridge Over the River, Choir, whatever it's called. Jarhead, Commando. Well, they, no, no, not those type, <laughs> not those type of films. God, no. No, I've seen the real war movies. You know, when you, you go around your un- your friend's uncle's house and he's just... what All all the DVDs have got are just old school war, war movies. Those ones. Um, That's so, quite specific. So when I so when I go see a war movie, I want it to be different, and I want to have an experience that isn't the same. Yeah. Um, what Hacksaw Ridge does and has achieved is amazing, and I think it's done a lot better than most war movies. But Dunkirk, just because of what it was and how visual, visually, and the sound editing. Yeah. So Dunkirk was a new experience for me. I hadn't seen most war films do something like that for me mm-hmm. um and then like i said Hacksaw ridge was amazing but i've seen it done there's all the i could predict what was happening i yeah. think the story's amazing and what the guy overcomes was absolutely fantastic yeah but i've wanted something different and that's what dunkirk gave to me was which was a different type of war movie mm. different type of storytelling which is great um and that's what i wanted okay. um so going into it that makes sense yeah I, I, as I say I think I think if, if I looked at them both purely objectively I'd say they're both pretty even but I'd probably say cinematography wise as a film because it's so different because of the, the sound and the visuals on Dunkirk are next level I'll, I'll give you that but for, for me I found Hexel Rage also guys is on Netflix at the moment uh, at, at the very least UK Netflix I'm not too sure about US Netflix but it's, it's on UK Netflix I can't recommend it enough to people to go see it um, with me <clears throat> I found it's both Dunkirk and uh, Hexel Ridge are like uh, retellings of stories that actually happened. You know, it's it's obviously so it hits home for a lot of people. 
And um, I won't spoil what happens in Hacksaw Ridge, but right at the end of Hacksaw Ridge, which makes it sound like a bad spoiler, I promise you I won't, um, it has, um, right at the very end, like five minutes before the credits, it comes up with interviewing people who were basically the characters in the film, but they were actual real people. So there's certain stuff that happens, once again, I won't spoil, um, there's certain stuff that happens in it, and then you watch it and you go, oh, that could be you know a dramatic over-dramatisation of it, because that does happen quite a lot in these sorts of films. And then you have these people who are the actual... Uh, soldiers who were there at the time at Haxel Ridge and they're talking about certain things that happened and they're like yeah this happened like that and this happened like that and you're watching it like and then one of the main cat well a lot of the main characters are in it are actually still alive and they're spoken to and it's just like they talk about how their experiences and how it all went and you're watching it like I've just been blown away by this film which I, for me I'd say the last hour of that film is probably the best war cinematography I've ever seen bar maybe the start of Saving Private Ryan. And when I put the review out for Hacksaw Ridge, I said that I think it's as good as Saving Private Ryan. If not, I might even argue it's better. Maybe. It's a very, very close one for me because I just found the end hour of Hacksaw Ridge is just so good and so gripping the entire way through. And it's so heartwarming in a way. It really hits home. It's it's just, oh, it's so human. That's what I loved about it. And it's, it's just, it starts off a little bit slow and I was a bit, you know, uh, I had my apprehensions, but, it really, for me, it was just, it, it was unlike anything else. I was not expecting it. I went in, because it's so easy, in a way, to make an okay war film. And I haven't seen a huge amount of war films, because I find, in general, kind of the same vein as you said, that you said, is a lot of the time they're quite similar, you know, mm. in a lot of ways. And Dunkirk obviously really succeeded in being completely different to a lot of them. And that's really, I really do, that's one of the things I appreciate about that film. But, man, I just... I thought Hacksaw Ridge, it was top of the game of that genre. So I'd say maybe it didn't do anything that different, but I think that what it did do, you can't really get better than that. Yeah, I, I agree. I really enjoyed it. But, so I, I really enjoyed it the first time I watched it, but then when I, when I watched it, when it came on Netflix, I enjoyed things that I didn't enjoy when I was in cinema more, and then there was things that I saw that I didn't enjoy as much when I rewatched it, I don't know when the last yeah. time you rewatched it. I've only watched it once. I, I saw, see. Yeah, I would recommend watching it again because, yeah. like you said about the visuals of the second half, in my own opinion, yeah. for that last war scene of it, there's quite a lot of sloppy filmmaking in it. Okay. And not not saying the films are bad or anything. It looks fantastic, but there's lots of things that I'm like, oh, it just didn't. It just didn't happen. It yeah. just didn't happen for me. And I think it, it's obviously different when you watch it from the big screen and you watch it on the small screen, so you oh, can yeah. pick up on smaller details. But I just don't know. There's a lot. It, it's a lot of shine. There's yeah. a lot of gloss. It is glamorized. A lot of the stuff in it. There's the blood in it is very much all over and stuff, which is amazing. Like it's a war movie that that shit happened. Like, yeah. but like I said earlier. I do, there's a lot of it in it that I think, oh, it's a little bit more glamorised than I'd think I would want in a war movie. Like, yeah. I understand it's got to be epic, it's got to look the part, so the decisions that they've made in the film yeah. is to make it look that extra epicness. Yeah. But I think they they, they could have toned down on a few of the visuals and it'd have been like, to be fair, like, same Private Ryan, the start of the visual, the start of it is so bleak. Yeah. And just everything, the only colour that is really perforating the, the visuals in that film is the blood yeah. and the gore mm. which is like amazing but there's a lot of the stuff it's kind of the same in Hacksaw Ridge but there's also a lot of gloss on everything else so yeah. it's like okay that didn't hit home as hard because you've 
lit up this or that's lit up more or that, that it's too light or it, in that aspect so that's what one of my qualms with yeah hacksaw well, is is that, the gloss that's totally that's totally understandable um obviously i've only seen it the once and there's something i've mentioned i might have said in the podcast i can't remember but it's basically called uh, cinema syndrome and it's kind of like when you go see a film at the cinema, a lot of the time it seems way better than it actually is because you know it's almost the atmosphere of it. You know, yeah. you see it on this gigantic screen, you've got all this surround sound, you've got loads of people around you, you paid a bit of money as well, which can sometimes influence you a little bit more. The jokes seem funnier. Right? Yeah, yeah, and obviously when there's loads of people around you laughing, it seems funnier. When there's something big happens, like the new Star Wars, something shocking happens, and everyone gasps, and it's like the atmosphere of it all is very. It's different to when you sit at home. And obviously, when you're watching a film for the first time, you're having to absorb everything, including the plot. But once you've seen it the second time, you don't have to pay attention to the plot as much because you already know. So that's when you can pick up on the little details, which obviously I think you've done with Hexel Ridge. Mm. But I haven't had the chance to rewatch that or Dunkirk. So that's yeah, perfectly fair enough. But I think we're both saying... Both films are definitely worth a watch. Oh, they're, they're ma- both, both the, Jesus, they're both amazing films. I'd so. say those two and Saving Brett Ryan, I'd probably argue are the three best war films. I'm not sure about ever made because I haven't seen Apocalypse Now no. or Hamburger Hill. And I've heard a lot of good things about them. But if I take off, unfortunately, because I haven't seen those two, if I, if I just don't include, don't include those two, I'd say those three, Saving Brett Ryan, Hacksaw Ridge and Dunkirk, are three of the best war films that you can see. And I think the three of them work quite well together because they're, even though Hacksaw Ridge and Dunkirk are similar in a way, uh, not Dunkirk, sorry, <laughs> Hacksaw Ridge and um, <laughs> Zimbrot Ryan are similar in a way, they're still all three different enough to really be appreciated as the three kind of top of the game war films. I don't know if you yeah. agree because you've seen a lot more war films than me, but... Uh, yeah, I say Platoon and Apocalypse Now. Yeah, Platoon is pretty uh, concrete. It's pretty like... Uh, I like Rescue Dawn. That's one of my favourite war movies. I haven't seen Rescue Dawn. I've seen Platoon, but I haven't seen uh, Rescue Dawn. Platoon obviously has that uh, the famous scene with, I think it's Willem Dafoe in it, where mm-hmm. he's, yeah, he's getting shot slow motion. That's yeah. been parodied in a hundred things I've seen. Yeah. Um, okay, Qu- right. Yeah. Uh, let's, um, let's get out of the war films now. We've got, we've got our last um, our last two big films, and then we'll get onto some honourable mentions of some of the shit films. Yeah. Um, okay, so go on then. Uh, actually, no. I'll say my number one film because we've yeah. already discussed it. Um, so my number one film is Detroit. Um, as we said before, um, I think no film... <laughs> oh, Alex is a bit ill, by the way. If you keep hearing coughing and stuff, I, I'll say <laughs> I've probably said it in the intro, to be honest with you, but yeah. he's a little bit ill. He managed to drag himself over here and he's been all right. We've got a Greg's and had some coffee. and <laughs> yeah. well, I had some coffee. He's wearing off now. He's been drinking loads of cloudy lemonade. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so my, my favourite film, I'd say, of, of the year... Uh, was uh, Detroit. I I went in there and I was like, this is going to be a cool film. And it hit me so, so hard. And I've never... I've never seen a film which has emotionally affected me that much. I came out of that movie, I came home and I was livid. Like, the film was so good, it was making me so angry. And it's... Obviously, it's an almost purely racially uh, driven film of the sense of... It's, it's about, I think, the 1970 Detroit riots. It's, it's quite funny, actually. The last... Um, our favourite... Our best films, Hacksaw Ridge, Dunkirk and Detroit, they're, all three of those are based on real events. And it's quite funny, mm. you know, that how brilliant they are of his films. But I found Detroit, the... When you're watching it, it's tense, it's gripping, you don't know what's going to happen in it. And then also, the fact you know it's real and it does that thing that I love in films too, where it's like, you know, this is based on a real story. Here's actual facts about what happened after yeah. the events of the film. And it's just... 
it hit home with me so hard because it's all about a lot of the institutionalized racism and how people got away with being racist, especially with police brutality and where where obviously in the media, especially the last couple of years and how it's become so much to light. There's so much, uh, as I said, institutionalized racism among the police force, among just people in power. Um, and this one really, it doesn't show how it got started. It kind of shows how it started to turn around and where people stopped stopped accepting it as much and where people start to try and stand up against the police brutality and what happens when you do and i just oh the, the whole film i'm gonna i'm definitely gonna have to buy it because i haven't actually owned it yet but oh it's, it's an amazing movie i love it well it's just like that and Haxel ridge and dunkirk dunkirk's shorter than Haxel ridge and detroit because i think detroit's about just over two hours i think Haxel ridge is like two and a half hours i think dunkirk's only about an hour and 40 minutes isn't it it's yeah it's not, not it's not it's not, as not long. that long but i've i find that some of those films, like Hacksaw Ridge, Detroit, and Dunkirk, they're so hard hitting, and they're so, well, yeah, they hit. They're so hard hitting. There's almost no other way to put it. That a lot of the time I don't almost want to rewatch them because yeah, it's hard. They do to. lose. Well, they, they not only lose their punch a little bit when you've seen them once before, but as you say, some of them are like. There's certain scenes in Detroit. I won't say what they are, but some of them are really hard to watch. Like I'm not. I'm fine with gore and you know the new Saw film came out this year, Jigsaw, which we'll talk about a little bit in the end as well. Um, a lot of got horror films. I'm fine with gore, and I'm fine with you know. There's a film called Mother that came out this year that I didn't think was that great, but there's some horrendous stuff that happens in that film, and I was alright with it. But in Detroit, some of the stuff you're watching is just like Jesus Christ. You can imagine being in these sorts of situations, and I think that's what the best filmmakers can really do is the empathy of it. Because if we go back to Chris Nolan, sort of you made Dunkirk, you know, uh, you watch Dunkirk, there's certain parts in it, and you can there's a there's a bit on the boat. Um, I won't say what happens, but it's when Killian Murphy's on the boat and stuff. And what happens then, and you're just like you really feel it. Um, with um, definitely, yeah, with Detroit, Hacksaw Ridge, Dunkirk, you you've got that feeling that really the best act, the best directors do it. And Chris Nolan did it in Interstellar, I think. There's mm. that bit where they go down to the planet and they come back, and it's been like forty years or something ridiculous. And the way the characters talk to each other, the way it's all shot, you really feel it for it. You know, it's so empathetic. You really feel it with deep within you that that like sense of emotion. And when you get the films like Detroit, Hacksaw Ridge, Interstellar, that sort of thing that can uh, invoke that, it makes the film better for you, but also worse, because you're like, like, I haven't seen Pursuit of Happiness. I've seen a lot of it, but I haven't seen the whole thing. And it's like, yeah. I know how good it is, but I also know how it's going to make me feel. And it's a little bit off-putting, because like, life is pretty fucking depressing, as it is a lot of the time. I don't need to watch two hours to make me feel even worse. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, Detroit, I agree. I feel, in my own opinion... Detroit is the new generation of how everyone perceived American history acts. I think it's funny you said because I got it for Christmas and I've watched it yet. I oh, know I cannot believe <laughs> if that <laughs> if that it. film is your top film of the year, you will watch American history acts and think, okay, I'm gonna scrap that. I'm gonna go back to what 1997 when it come out, and that's gonna be my favorite year of that film. Yeah, because there's I know. Um generally what it's about uh, as a vague idea I know about the, the scene in it the curb stomping thing I haven't seen it but I know about it but there was a, there was a film as well which was um, I know it's not quite the same um, but uh, Imperium have you seen that the, yeah yeah Daniel we, we, we watched it together we did didn't we? yeah that was it I couldn't remember because there were so many films we keep saying we're not watch together and then you moved, yeah. you bloody piss off and moved away I was leaving <laughs> by myself I'm just joking but um, Imperium's a great movie as well everyone should go watch that it's a cool movie about the Nazis and um, when Neo it's not about the Nazis because it makes it sound like it's in the 40s it's like no, neo Nazis. Yeah, it's really, really good that movie. But yeah, American History X is what you should watch now. Going on, yeah, I've got to still. Make... I'll be watching it soon, so anyone who's listening to this can expect I'll try and watch it soonish and put yes, a review up on, um, on our movies about it. Um, so that leads us to your 
Your number one film then, Alex. Go on My then. number one film is Three Billboards Outside of Edmund, Missouri. You've got such a cold. Do you want some more airwaves? No, no, it's fine. I'm fine. I'm <laughs> going to have a drink. <laughs> outside of, yeah, three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. God, I can't even say it now. <laughs> Which, I, I, I love the director. When I saw the trailer, I was like, this film is going to be amazing. Just It's Martin McDonough, I think his name is. Yeah. Um, and he made In Bruges, which is one of the coolest movies I think ever made. I love yeah. that film. And Seven Psychopaths, which Seven Psychopaths is amazing, but... It's very enjoyable. Yeah, I think for me personally, at the three, I think In Bruges is the best, then Three Billboards, then Seven Psychopaths, to be honest, now I've thought about it a bit. Yeah. Um, I I love um, In Bruges as much, I think, as Three Billboards. Yeah. Um, there's things that I prefer of each movie. but Yeah, I think In Bruges is a bit more comedic. I think In Bruges has got... There's, well, actually, I think In Bruges is more... It's, it's harder, because I think Three Billboards is a lot darker, but it, the way... It, it's kind of it's very hard to explain because they're such they are very similar but very different at the same time because what that director does perfectly is he has really really dark themes going on and being spoken about and things happen while also there's light heartedness to it and the thing it's in just Bruges, human yeah yeah the thing in Bruges I won't spoil it but in Bruges is kind of not quite a plot twist but it's a reveal of what the big dark thing is whereas in Three Billboards you know from the get go. But it's kind of like how in Three Billboards it progresses and how it goes. Whereas In Bruges is a slightly different way of showing it, you know? In Bruges is kind of like, this thing's happened and what happens directly after it. Whereas Three Billboards is more like, this thing's happened and how the community reacts to it and how she put yeah. up these Three Billboards and how that affects what happened. Um, I will say, but I'll let you talk about this a lot more because uh, you enjoy the film more than it's your number yeah. one film. But I will just quickly say that... Um, the film was released, I think, in America in November, but in England it's not really released until late December, early January. But we went to this thing, uh, Odeon Screen Unseen, where you can see a film that's coming out in the next couple of months early, but you don't know what film it's going to be. Um, and we did that, and we saw Three Billboards. And I remember me and you were talking about it before we went. We are like, oh, I hope it's Three Billboards. And it pl- when the screen came up in um, in the cinema, <laughs> like me, you, and about ten other people in the cinema were all like, cheering for it. Oh, no, I was over the moon. I I, knew, I really hoped it was going to be that. That was my number one film. But yeah, go ahead. I'll stop yammering about it. Go ahead, <laughs> Say what you loved about You've it. You've said most of it. <laughs> How um, dare you? Um, yeah, I, I thought it was fantastic. Like I said, I knew it was going to be good. I knew I wanted it to be. Like, I seen everything else he'd done and I was just knew what I was expected but it there was so much in it more than I ever thought yeah was same. and I think they did so well and the, oh they're just everybody's absolutely brilliant in it and it's so good like you said the way that they can go from absolute darkness with some really disturbing stuff that it's they way cover, darker than I thought it was going to be <laughs> yeah, yeah definitely um the way that they can just drop it like a pin yeah, and just have these comical moments, which some, if you ever to watch some comedy films, it's it's always so forced and especially dark comedies. But this, they do it in such, it's so human. Yeah, I've organic. said this before. Yeah, organic because some films force it, force it upon you like a comic relief, like Jar Jar Binks was forced <laughs> upon you to make you feel like you had to laugh to get the weight off of the shit film on you, but. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but no, um, they did it in this way in such a way that it's like that's it's just so comical. Like there's mm-hmm. only in, in, in this in this scene, there's, there's nothing else you would do than do something like this. So I think it's so human, and mm. I think it's probably the, the the truest way that some people deal with emotions, especially 
is to do something stupid and make someone laugh or say something like like insulting someone is funny. Oh like, yeah, banter has become the big thing, isn't it? Definitely. Recently, you know, we and you give each other shit all the time. So like everyone definitely is one of those. And I, I find um, I agree with you there. It's the humanness and the, the dialogue in all of his films, just like um, oh, it's, it's just amazing. Tarantino, um, Wes Anderson, his scripts are great, but the p- way people talk in Wes Anderson films is very Wes Andersony. Yes, he knows you, Wes Anderson. Yeah, but you get films like. Um, Way Way Back or Little Miss Sunshine and they're very much the way normal people talk mm-hmm. and then you get Tarantino and Martin McDonough or whatever I can't pronounce his last name but him the guy who made Bruce Three Billboards and also Tarantino the way the people talk is like it's surreal in a way where it is uh, Tarantino's a little bit more surreal but it's kind of like it is normal conversation but it's between these two slightly odd characters in a way where the conversation is normal to them but not in a certain way. And the brilliance comes, especially within Bruce and stuff, is when you've got one of the kind of more quirky characters talking to someone who's more normal, and it, as you say, it's so human, it works so well. It's just amazing. And the whole film is super enjoyable. It's um, gripping the whole way through, you never know what's going to happen. Oh, yeah, and some of the character development in the film is just like... Sam Rockwell. Oh, he, absolutely amazing. His story, his story arc in the film, yeah. is probably one of the, the, the best story arcs I've ever seen in a movie. I think it's absolutely riveting. I think it's just... It all makes sense. That's it all, it does all make sense. None of it's stretch. None of it's like, yeah, I'm not sure if I believe this. It's all it's really all, believable. It's all believable. Mm. And they've just... He's done absolutely... If I can recommend one movie you see this year, it would be that one. Yeah. And I'm just... It's just brilliant. It's utter brilliance. That's what it is. To me, a movie that makes me laugh, but makes me also feel the feeling that these characters, it's just a masterpiece. And it looks amazing. The whole film looks stunning. It's just, it's just, it's it's such a, they don't need these huge budgets to portray what happens in the film. And that's the best thing about it. It's Mm. just so real. And it's in a little place that no one's ever fucking heard of. (laughs) Yeah. And, And the people were just, living their lives in a small little town and when something like whatever happens in the plot obviously it's going to affect these characters massively because they're just normally living their lives in a small little town where nobody fucking knows about yeah if some of the stuff happened I think that's the point isn't it because if some of the stuff that happened in that film happened in New York City oh yeah not, it'd be if, totally different if for, for example sake if someone dies right in New York City there's so many people there someone dies every probably few minutes and it's like it doesn't affect everyone or the whole community but as you say when it's a small tight unit group and everyone knows everyone yeah. when something happens it really happens to everyone it shocks the whole system mm. I just and... want to say a shout out to just Sam Rockwell of just like He's one of my favorite. If he's one of, if not my absolute favorite actor. Oh, he's fantastic. Him and James McAvoy, um, and Tom Hardy, I think, are are my three favorites. But then yeah. Yeah, Killian Murphy and DiCaprio are phenomenal as well. Yeah. They're all just Sam Rockwell. Though, every single film I've ever seen him in, I, I love him. Loved in, um, him. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Well, Hitchhiker's Guide was probably my first ever favorite film, and I, still one of my favorites. I love that film. Him in that, he's, he's in the Green Mile. Great. He's phenomenal. Moon. That's that's another. That's film, great. Yeah, he, it's basically just him and Kevin Spacey. That's all it is. Kevin Spacey yeah. is just the voice of the robot, and it takes a special kind of actor like um to have a movie that's like an hour and a half, two hours long, and there's almost no one else in it at all. Yes, and that's that is where it really, really shines for acting. Yeah, and I just think Sam Rockwell, as, as you say, I agree with you wholeheartedly. His his character arc and the way he acts in that film is is perfect. I can't, I cannot fault with three billboards. Even though it's not my number one film, and even though I do like other films more, it's one of those films where I you can almost not fault it. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean it's perfect, 
but it does mean that I, if I you go into certain films like there's the film Amelie I'm not saying it's the best film ever made but I couldn't change it to make it better yes and definitely whereas a lot of other films you know as if I know I keep talking about Star Wars but like Star Wars love Star Wars <laughs> love the new Star Wars I love most of the Star Wars films to be fair but there's always something I could change. All the yeah. Marvel films, I know they're slightly different genre, but so many films you watch, you go, that was amazing, but I wouldn't do this, or I wouldn't do that. Yeah. Three billboards, I don't know what you could change. I, okay. I can't think of a moment in that film. I, I can't wait to see it again. Yeah, I'm looking forward to rewatching it as well, actually. I can't wait. So yeah, so just a little recap before we get to the honourable mentions and the terrible movies, because um, we hit the hour mark, so I'll probably say if we talk about this for another uh, half hour or so-ish, yeah. uh, and then that'll be a nice one big chunky podcast for everyone to indulge. So, for me personally, as I said, Get Out's number five, Logan number four, It is number three, Hacksaw Ridge is number two, Detroit is number one. Yeah, Alex? Uh, so, I had Detroit is five, It was four, Logan was three, Dunkirk was two, and Free Billboards was one. That's perfect. No, even highlighted perfect on my sheet. Nicely done. Well, yeah, I'll take a picture of that. <laughs> put it up. Perfect. Um... Right, so if we just uh, go on the honourable mentions then. Yes. Um, do you want to start us off? Yes. So I want to go back to the film I meant, nearly mentioned earlier, nearly put it on this list, split second, because I totally forgot about it. So we mentioned it was unbelievable uh, adaptation of a, of a Stephen King book. And then out of nowhere, um, Stephen King adaptation comes up on Netflix called Gerald's Game. And everybody's like, oh, okay, it's just another Stephen King adaptation. This film, holy shit. Like, I love horror films. And this film is absolutely brilliant. Like, there's such not many people in it because obviously I'm not going to spoil anything. I don't think many. I don't people... know anything about the film either. I haven't even heard of it before. No, <laughs> you mentioned it to me, so I'm going to have to go watch this. Check out my Netflix list. Um, I so I watched it one night. I I I'd heard amazing, amazing things about it, and I thought, okay, I'm gonna give it a go. And I can't. Unbelievable, the film is. Like, it, it's all basically. Not spoiling anything, because obviously once you start watching it, you understand. It's basically all in one room, and there's not many characters in it. But, holy shit, this film is absolutely brilliant. Like, for a Netflix original movie, this is the best, probably, Netflix original movie I've ever seen. And is probably one of the best films I've seen this year. And that's saying a lot. The budget was small... But everything that's done in it is absolutely perfect. The conversations that they have, it's, it's human, it's comical in parts of it, it's scary, it's is anyone gruesome. It? Sorry? Is anyone notable in it? Like yeah, that? Um. sorry, I'm going to have to Google it, because I, like I said, I wasn't prepared to talk about this film. I <laughs> about it. Sprung it on yourself. Well, I'll, I'll just say, um, with Netflix movies, I think... I haven't actually seen any Netflix original movies apart from Okja, I think is the only one. Okja, yeah. I know there's basically Adam Sandler's released a few uh, films of his own and apparently they're all absolutely atrocious. Like a Ridiculous Six. Yeah. My buddy Tom saw that and he said it was absolutely terrible. Um, I don't really know. There's that Bright movie with Will Smith. Yeah, it's very enjoyable. Yeah, and you said it's really good but it's not like next level amazing. But It's very enjoyable. Yeah, it's kind of annoying because I'm actually thinking I'm watching that tomorrow. But um, Carla... Uh, Gugino, how do you say it? I have no idea. And Bruce is. Greenwood, you'd know him if you saw him. They're the two people in the Who's, film. What other things is Bruce Greenwood um, in? He's in Star Trek. He's I think his dad, isn't he? In Star Trek, he's in iRobot. Oh, him? Yeah. The, oh, in iRobot, he's the one who runs the company. Yeah. Yes, and he gets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know. He's in loads of things. He's in that new um, one of the new films. Uh, oh Christ, I can't remember what it's called. Um. So I think it's one of the more political yeah. films he's in because he's got really short hair and they've dyed it black and it looks quite weird and he's wearing glasses. Yeah. But um, 
Okay. And so, she's in um, Watchmen. She is Carla. She's uh, Sally Jupiter. So she's Silver, so Silk Scepter's mum in the film. Oh, her. Yeah, yeah she's yeah, the one yeah. that's drinking. She's a is she the one who's in uh, American Horror Story quite a lot as well? Is that the same woman? Yeah, she's also in Sin City. She's on Sucker Punch. She's in quite a lot of stuff, actually. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. But yeah, yeah, the film is so small and... Oh, it's so big film. at the same time. I'm probably going to go watch it again tonight because it was so good. Yeah. And there's some of the quotes in the film I'll probably use for the rest of my life. Can you from... throw one at us? No, because it will ruin the film. <laughs> so you're just going to ruin it for everyone else. So just I'm not going to say that. But my friend Stephen, who I live with in Wales, after we watched the film and thought it was amazing, I went for a cigarette outside and I was terrified. <laughs> I was like, oh God. And then um, the next day he posted, because me and him go for lots of walks outside. Yeah. He posted this lovely photo of the Gao Peninsula where I live. <laughs> and he quoted the movie from this being in the film. And it is so perfect. It just fits with this amazing view and stuff. And it's just, I was just like, that is the best hashtag I've ever seen on any <laughs> photo ever. Have to look that up there. Fair play. Okay, well, one of my honourable mentions. I mean, <clears throat> I already said at the start of the, uh, the podcast. I already said about the disaster artist, and I've done a whole other podcast about that, so I won't talk about that anymore. Uh, you discussed three billboards uh, at nauseum, so we're great with that. Um, now, two of the films, I won't go into too much detail necessarily about these two, but I think you, you share similar views of them, which is um, Thor 3 and Spider-Man Homecoming. Yes. Because when we mentioned... Thor Ragnarok, yeah. Yeah, because when we mentioned uh, Logan, I said about the superhero films this year, um, I thought um, <coughs> with Spider-Man, Spider-Man Homecoming, I thought it's probably the best Spider-Man film out of all of them uh, that have been out. I think Tom Holland is the best Spider-Man. I think... Yeah. I think the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies are better than the Andrew Garfield movies, but Definitely. I think Andrew Garfield's a better Spider-Man than Tobey Maguire, in my opinion. Yeah. However, I think Tom Holland, as soon as I saw him in Civil War, if you haven't seen him in Civil War, you need to go see that, because that film is one of the best Marvel films, and him in it, when he's fighting Winter Soldier, and Winter Soldier throws a punch at him, and he holds Winter Soldier's fist and goes, oh man, you have a metal arm, that's so cool, and then throws <laughs> him away. I was like, that's Spider-Man all over, especially because he's so young in the film, and that's the point. He's like... All these other superheroes yeah. have been doing loads of stuff, and I just found I saw the trailers when he uh, Iron Man was in Spider-Man: Homecoming, and I was like, "Oh, for Christ's sake!" I was like, "I don't need Robert Downey Jr. to be in every fucking Marvel film." Yeah. But I found that he was in it a good amount. Yeah, he's perfect. They didn't need to be any more longer than it. He yeah, was perfect. They, he just didn't the parts, and they were done perfectly. I found it really worked for Spider-Man's character. I found it made the plot not the standard usual. Oh, there's a bad guy. Why don't you go fight him? Oh, you've been beaten by him a little bit. Oh, you come back somehow stronger and just destroy him. No, they kind of, they changed it round. I won't spoil it, but a, a lot of people who are losing faith in superhero films uh, because they say they're all the same. I'd say Homecoming really, really nailed it with the yes. humour. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think it is it's the second best Spider-Man film ever made. So what's your, what's your favourite Spider-Man film? Spider-Man 2 is... Arguably one that's, that's my least favourite out of all of them. Arguably one of the best superhero movies ever, and it's one of the first ever to get nominated for an Oscar, which mm. is saying something for visual effects. Um, but that is obviously the top. Um, but yeah, Homecoming just underneath. Definitely, they did nail it. And the villain is fantastic. I absolutely love the villain. I was rooting for him Keaton, a lot. Isn't it? Michael Keaton, yeah. Um, second time that he's played some kind of Birdman. <laughs> oh yeah, people said about that. So, I still seen Birdman. Oh, that's a very good film. Um, but they... Yes, um, that was amazing. I just um, want to say I don't agree with Spider-Man 2 being the best. Even though I know you, that's fine. But I don't want to get into a big... Um, like I said, one of us is right, one of us is wrong. And it's definitely me who's wrong, I guess. <laughs> it's, it's all down to opinion, but I, 
I think Spider-Man 2 is actually the worst of the trilogy, which a lot of people don't think that, because a lot of people think Spider-Man 3 is the worst. Oh, yeah, God, so yeah. So I really like Spider-Man 3. I think there are... I, I look at Spider-Man 3 in a similar way that I look at Star Wars Attack of the Clones, which is there are certain bits in it that are pretty bad and quite cringy, but I find that the good bits in it outweigh the bad bits a lot. And I just remember watching Spider-Man 2 and the whole time being bored. I just... I had no interest in Doc Ock. I found him as a villain was just ruined compared to how cool Doc Ock is in the comics and games. Um, And I was just... I found it was too similar to Spider-Man 1 without any of the impact and almost the same sort of stuff happened in it. When was the last time you watched it, though? Oh, Christ. I haven't seen Spider-Man 1, 2, 3, none of them in the last five years. And I saw Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2 each once. And I think they're both good, but I think Spider-Man 2, Amazing Spider-Man 2, isn't as bad as everyone said it was, but it could have been so good and it wasn't. And I just found... You know, but then again, with Sp- Amazing Spider-Man Two, everyone hated it so much. I kind of yeah, went in, they, I they, went they, in with such low expectations. Yeah. Well, anyway, let's go on to the other honorable mention, which I think uh, you want to talk about this a little bit more because you, you and the, uh, I think you like the director a bit more than I do, even though we both love the director. Uh, but yeah, Thor Ragnarok. Then. Oh yes. I'll say just quickly. I think it's potentially the best. Is what? It's definitely in the top three. I'd say of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'd say it's definitely the best Thor film. Definitely. Oh, e- easily. Four films before this were okay. Like, they just fit in the slot of where they needed to be for the universe. Um, but Chris Hemworth has now created four and made four a character that everybody loves, I'd say now. Yeah. He was finding his place in the first two, four films, like, yeah. who the character's going to be. But he's now created the character, and I think the four that we're going to be getting now on is going to be so enjoyable yeah. and just so well done that uh, I'm, I'm so happy with how they produced it. And yeah, Taki Watini, or how you say, I probably he's butchered ta- his name. Taki Watiti, I yeah. think. He's in it. He's in Thor 3. Yeah, yeah, he's one of the main characters, which is fantastic. And he has probably been my favourite director in the last couple of years, producing Hunt for the Wilder People and What We Do in the Shadows, which are amazing films. And I said just before I found out that he was directing... For Ragnarok, so what we do in the shadows come out. No one really knew who he was. He produced a few TV stuff and we made the film small, Boy, didn't he? Yeah, smaller stuff, and he got a bit of budget. So he did uh, what we do in the shadows. He gave him a bit more budget, and then he produced what we do um, Hunt for the Wilder People. And then I said, "This is that film was amazing." Then it's not going to be long until they give him a big budget movie, and they did. And I think they you said they, that actually. To I, me. I said it. Yeah, I, I said it just before they literally probably about couple weeks before four was revealed that he was going to be directing and i was like i knew it i just i called it like he'd done so well with such small budgets mm. and casting that him with a marvel film would just just oh just be perfect and he did he hit it out of the park it's probably the funnest marvel movie ever made definitely it's, if people it's like so fun if people like ant-man yes. and spider-man homecoming that sort of vibe this film, I was, when I've described it to other people, when they go, I'm not sure about the new Thor, I say, go watch it because literally, even though it's got some serious-ish themes, the whole film is just a whole joke almost, isn't it? Like, oh, it's not fantastic. in a bad way, it doesn't take away from the film, but the whole time is super casual in a really well-done manner, and the way he interacts with Hulk and every character in it, they're all so sarcastic to each other, they've got some banter between them, but the chemistry is just amazing. Oh, it feels, it's just amazing. When his character in it, I think it's called Zorb or Zorb or something, he's, you'll see him in it because he's Korg, got like a New Zealand... Mean? Sorry? Korg. Korg, that's it. Korg. He's got this um, 
New Zealand accent, and he's he's like the thing, but he's blue, and he's this rock guy, and he's just this really softly spoken. Uh, he's really big and dense. He looks kind of scary almost, but he's so well spoken and like really soft spoken as well, and it just it brings our character. And he played him, and he did all the motion capture for it as well. And he nailed it. He yeah, nailed it. And Hunt for the Wilder People. I'd say if, if anyone hasn't seen that, you need to go fucking watch it. That's yeah, one of the best life. people films I've ever seen. And we watched it the other day as well. Oh, it's oh, just so amazing. Good. And what we do in the shadows. So just watch your dad's great. Absolutely brilliant film. Fantastic. Yeah, and I I heartily agree with Thor three. But I think everyone should, well, Ragnarok. I think everyone should go see that. Um, right, I've got one more film on my honourable <coughs> mentions, um, and then I think we can move on to the bad films. Yeah. Have you got any more honourable mentions? No, no, that's me okay. done for honourable mentions. Well, I'll just say, because you haven't seen this film, so I'll just briefly go into it. Um, Blade Runner 2049. Um, I didn't like Blade Runner, the original one. I watched it about ten years ago, and I didn't like it, and I thought maybe it was because of my age, you know, when I was... Like preteen, I hated a lot of films that were actually quite good. So I was like, you know, I'll sit down properly with a couple of mates, me, Justin, and someone else. I can't remember. What might have been Callum? I can't remember. Um, I watched it. And we watched it, and I really didn't like it. I thought it was quite boring. I'm going to, people, a lot of people are going to hate me for this, but I thought it was quite boring. I didn't really like any of the characters. I thought the plot was too slow, and I thought the way the it all ended was just terrible. I thought the character arc made absolutely no sense at all. I think it was plot armor the whole way through, and I didn't like the whole feel of the movie. I didn't. I really, really wasn't a fan. So I went into Blade Runner twenty forty nine very skeptical. I mean, I love Harrison Ford because he's Star Wars, and um, I think Ryan Gosling is one of the finest actors I've ever seen. He's everything he's in is fucking unbelievable, unbelievable in. Um, and then, yeah, this film came out and I was it was like two and a half hours long and I kept putting it off and I think I ended up and went and saw it by myself uh, and I watched that film and I thought it was absolutely fantastic it's a little bit slow but oh the it's it's the character arcs work brilliantly in it the only problem I found with it was that Jared Leto wasn't in it very much and that isn't normally a problem because I'm not the hugest Jared Leto fan but the trailers and the posters and the all, everything about the film was like he's going to be in it loads he's a big villain da, da, da. and then you watch the film he's probably on screen for about 5-10 minutes it's like a two and a half hour movie um, but yeah I thought I was well surprised with it and I found it's a great addition to um, the Blade Runner sort of universe so I, I say to Alex and I say to everyone else if you like or don't like the first Blade Runner movie go watch this because I think it's produced by Ridley Scott but it's also produced by Dennis whatever his name is and he made Arrival yeah, which um, is my favorite, one of my favorite films last year. Yeah, if we because we didn't, I wasn't doing the podcast this time last year. Um, and if I was, we'd have done that. And I know the arrival because in our Iron movies, you gave that a ridiculously high percentage. Oh, it? I thought it's perfect. Yeah, so I didn't fully agree with you. I, I think it's a really, really, really good film. But, but I, yeah, I, I did just miss out on seeing Blade Runner. But obviously, I'm a huge fan of the original. Mike has only seen the final cut version, and every single cut makes the film a different version so I'm just going to put that out so Mike knows as well that yeah yeah. I he... saw the final cut but I looked it up and the final cut is according to Ridley Scott how he wanted it to be released so because it's basically I think there's the final cut and it's got this scene in it where Harrison Ford's playing the piano and you see this yeah, dream this, sequence dream of the sequence. uniform that's pretty pointless um, and then there's a, there's the director's cut, which the only difference is it doesn't have that scene in. No, there's, no. So the, there's, there's three or four cuts, but one of the cuts is exactly the same as the final cut. It doesn't have that one sequence in. So you got the theatrical cut, you got the director's cut, and you got the final cut. The theatrical cut doesn't have the voiceover of yeah. Harrison Ford. Yeah. So there's no voiceover, so you have to work out everything yourself. The director's cut has the voiceover plus with a few added scenes. Final Cut has the voiceover plus the alternative scenes and also the dream sequence. 
Yeah, Dream Sequence is pointless. So, but if you watch, obviously, I, like I said, I'm not the same, but the first Blade Runner, if you can watch the theatrical cut without the... It's, they're three different. They make the film totally different because obviously you got to work out things and have to work out how characters yeah. are. Well, I was interpretation, so I went it. Um, yeah. Well, that's fine. Final but, cut is good. I do enjoy the final cut, though. That's, that's fine. Yeah, obviously, you haven't done their own opinion. So, um, right now we'll get into bad movies. Um, I'll just quickly say my three bad movies, um, and then we'll get into the last one because your bad movie. We're gonna yeah, I'm only. I'm just gonna highlight one film. Yeah, because I think it's probably got the. I just need the shit on it, basically. Yeah, but I actually quite liked it, so that's why I want to save it to the end. Yeah, I'll, that's fine. I'll, I'll just quickly say because these three films you didn't actually see. Yeah. I'd say just quickly on once again, if you guys follow me, I'll follow us rather on Instagram and see my reviews for this. You may be like, oh, but you didn't give that film that much of a bad review. But <laughs> now, after hindsight and thinking about it a lot more, I would give it a lot lower re- reviews. There's the new Mummy, the remake of it. You know, the first in the dark universe, big uh, universal series film thing. Uh, the new mummy. Let's put it frank. It's shit. Okay, Tom Cruise is crap in it. Um, the main bad, the main person who plays the mummy is shit in it. Russell Crowe's fairly good in it. His scenes are alright. Um, the girl in it, she's in Peaky Blinders, and I really liked her in Peaky Blinders, and I thought her in that was pointless. There's so much plot armor, and the whole film is like some reason Tom Cruise is kind of immortal, but it doesn't really explain it fully or what he can do. And the whole thing is just everything that happens seems to just be because it happens in the film, and there's little consistency. All the there's a bit where Tom Cruise gets punched in the air and he literally goes like above tree lines and he lands and he's okay and you're like so is he immortal or is he not there's a bit he's swimming underwater and, he, and you're like oh maybe he is immortal but you, oh, it's a fucking mess okay it's it's terrible I love the three original Mummy films of Brendan Fraser the fact there's no cameo by Brendan Fraser either is fucking upsetting and deeply upsetting to me they should have fucking had that in um, so yeah that film's rubbish I saw a film called Atomic Blonde as Shalise Theron and James McAvoy. It's the only James McAvoy film I've seen which is bad. Um, I just thought the plot was messy. It was really boring. I didn't really give a shit what was going on and it seemed to be a bit too flashy and not really any substance. Um, and then the other film which I think this is the worst film of all year was Annabelle. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. It's Creation. Annabelle Creation. That was it. It's meant to be the prequel to the, the other Annabelle that came out a couple of years ago. Um I think I don't know if it's linked in with the I think it is linked in with the Conjuring universe. Of films, well, yeah, Annabelle's from the Conjuring. Yeah, yeah and I lo- I really like the Conjuring films I've seen. I thought Annabelle was part of wank. I thought it was yeah, boring. Yeah, Annabelle. Uh, well, Annabelle creation was wank. Right, I haven't seen the original, but I thought it was predictable. It was I boring. No characters in it. Uh, didn't act like, like they did that stupid horror trope thing where they just go to every room. Oh my, who annoys? Well, the last two hours of my life have been nothing but horror. But I'm going to go into yeah. a dark room by myself. It's like. But this is boring and there's no need to see it. The jump scares were predictable. The gore in it wasn't that great. And even if it was, it wouldn't save the film. And yeah, I just found it just fell flat on its face. Mm. So Annabelle's shit. Atomic Blonde's not very good. And The Mummy is shit. So with that in mind, we're, we've got... We're coming to the hour and 15 mark. So let's just... We'll be wrapping up in a minute. But let's just get on to the final film we're going to discuss. What, Alex, do you think the worst film that you've seen this year is? The biggest part of dog shit <laughs> that came out of the cinema this year... Has got to be Justice League, and this what one we, we're pulling on this fucking. You hate down. Suicide Squad as well. You think that's one of the worst films ever, as well, didn't you? Um, I yeah, I, I do not enjoy <laughs> that at all. But at least Suicide Squad had some tiny parts of redeeming. You think Suicide Squad's better than fucking Justice League? <sighs> but no, oh. no, no. I would say it's more redeem. I I would say they're both in the garbage. They're both a pile of shit. I, both of them would give under ten percent. But um, they. Everybody thought so. Wonder Woman come out, absolutely brilliant film. It was absolutely great. They the, the best DC film they'd made since The Dark Knight. 
which obviously the Dark Knight was way above it, but it was still about? probably one of the best ones they brought out. Which one's that specifically? The Dark Knight. No, no, no. I thought you were talking about Wonder Woman. The Wonder Woman, yeah. The, the, since The Dark Knight, The Wonder Woman was probably the best DC film they'd made. I think I'd agree with you there. Yeah. yeah. So, and that was brilliant. So everybody kind of had faith again in Justice League. And from the abomination that was Batman vs Superman, you would think that the director would go home, he would take in all the criticism, everything from it, and he'd be like, look, this is what we went wrong. This the fucking huge list of things we did wrong. Yeah. And here's the non-existent stuff we did right. And I'm going to incorporate all these things for the fans. Because obviously the fans are the ones that fucking matter. The ones that are going to pay the money. But he did nothing. He absolutely <laughs> butchered everybody's kind of faith again. Back into Wonder Woman. It's the least Zack Snydery film ever made. I don't think he had much put into the whole film which is, is a shame is, you were talking about Wonder Woman or Justice League Justice League okay, now yeah. so the directors just looked at everything that they did wrong in Batman for Superman and thought you know what fuck them we're just gonna ignore everything and we're just going to make this film and they did and it came out and it was absolute dog shit like <laughs> and I'm being extra harsh on it because of how much time they had to correct the issues they had from Batman vs Superman. And the issues they have in Justice League are exactly the same as they had in Batman vs Superman. Exactly the same issues. So they didn't take anybody on board. They just put these characters together, hoped it would work. Um, some people thought it did, some people didn't. The chemistry didn't work for me. The jokes were absolute dog shit. Superman was only good. I hate Superman. I hate Superman. I yeah. think he's the most boring Fucking, I don't like any of the films he's been in. Yeah. But he's the only good character in the film, and he's only not in it for too much. I'm not going to spoil anything. I'm off spoil He's back anyway. <laughs> fucking hell. But it's pretty obvious. obvious, it's pretty in, the obvious for in the trailer, sake. when you got Buddy Alfred oh, looking up and goes, stupid. Oh, I thought you'd come back. Oh, took you long enough. Like, I know, yeah. it's so and stupid. And if anyone watched, I want to clarify, I want to say Batman vs. Superman, I think, is one of, if not the worst superhero film I've ever seen. Yeah, like, definitely Bob, maybe show. Hulk. But then again, Hulk is shit, but it's like consistently pretty bad. Yeah. But, but with. Um, Batman vs Superman not only is it almost three hours long but it's also it has you could there's parts in it like the bat, mainly the Batman scene when he's by himself in the in the fighting all the, the gang it's like that shows they can do well but they just they were so misguided yeah. with it um, okay well with with Justice League I actually really like Justice League I don't think it's as good as uh, Wonder Woman I think it's better than Suicide Squad but I also didn't hate Suicide Squad I just thought it was alright or fairly good-ish but not amazing it was very flawed with Justice League, now this, I looked at quite a few things about Justice League, and what I'm generally seeing is the critics generally hate it, but most of the audience are all right with it, kind of like I am. Like Rotten Tomatoes is a good example. Critics, 40. Audience, 80. Uh, and you, I've noticed that you and I, where we differ uh, a fair amount is you are, we, I don't know how it is, but you generally lean more towards what the critics say, and I generally don't. And I think that's what kind of makes our movie page and these sort of discussions so good, because we like different things about films. Um, mm. I found with Justice League, I thought, it wasn't too long, it was two hours, which is good, because Batman vs Superman fucking dragged like hell, and that was awful. Um, and I want to clarify, I fucking hate Batman vs Superman, I thought the film was shit, and none of it made any sense, and boring, and the math of it, oh god, all of it. Um, except the Batman scene where he's fucking the thugs. I found Justice League, I found it introduced all the characters quite well. I liked I liked the way the characters were most of the time. Um, I liked Ben Affleck's Batman less than I liked him in Batman vs Superman. I, I hate Superman, but I found the way they brought him into Justice League without spoiling anything um, is was tasteful and well done. Um, 
And I found they kind of written themselves into a corner because in the film, the entire time they're saying Superman is so unbelievably powerful, he can beat anyone, mm. we really need him to save us, sort of thing. Uh, <laughs> and then it's just like, well, you've now said this, and at the you know, it kind of proves that he is because obviously he comes back. Um, and it's like, well, now you've kind of said he's so much more powerful than all of the Justice League put together. It's almost pointless them being there because he's so overpowered. And, yeah. You know, Doomsday is meant to be this big thing and they just do shit and, you know, they kill him in a really pithy, rubbish way. But now it's like, who are you going to have in future Justice League movies who's going to be a big enough villain that somehow Superman can't fight, but everyone else can? And it's just like, what? I thought, the humour in it, I thought it wasn't as funny as it could have been, but it was definitely funnier than the previous films. Uh, and I found it was more, it felt more like a Marvel film than a DC film. You know, it felt more like uh, Avengers than it did uh, Batman vs Superman. Um, I found the action scenes that were quite good. I found the main boss in it, a villain rather, was shit. But oh, awful. But I, I a, pe- a lot of people said that, but I just stand by that every Marvel film has a shit villain, really. Like, not shit, but it's just really forgettable. And they're all generally the same. I mean, you get Loki in, in it, you know, who's um, a bit different. And there are, obviously, there's like 19 Marvel movies now. So there are a couple of villains all right. But I say, generally speaking, you know, the first, you know, the second, the villain in Thor 2 and the villain in Ant-Man and all these sorts of other ones, they're all just so forgettable and boring. And the same way they die is pretty much unanimous. Um, but I found, I thought Aquaman in it was hilarious. I thought Jason Momoa in it was brilliant. And I really liked Aquaman's character of just being like, not giving a crap at anyone sort of mentality but he kind of does um, I like the Flash in it I thought he was funny um, I liked uh, Wonder Woman in it I thought she was good I like the Cyborg character which I, I, is he actually Cyborg? yeah his name? Yeah. I, I know I remember Teen Titans and there being Cyborg and I'm pretty sure the Teen Titans are based on the DC characters and stuff like almost like Young Justice League and whatnot but yeah. we'll delve into that um, but I I thought it was a good movie uh, but I just found what it seems to be is everything that we speak about it's more just interpretation like you thought the humour didn't land, I thought it did. You thought uh, every, everything in it was like, there's no chemistry between the characters. I thought they made it work well, because clearly at the start there wasn't chemistry between characters, but they kind of showed you there wasn't, and showed that it's not always like Avengers, where you can team up and everyone's all happy already, and yay, we can work together. Oh, the Hulk's being a bit bad. Oh, no, we're all happy again and fine. Occasionally yell at each other. It was like, Justice League was a bit more, we all hate each other, we've got to kind of fucking deal with it sort of thing. Um, and I'll rewatch it at some point. I haven't. I didn't like it enough to buy it. Um, no, you know, I'd, I'd, yeah. Well, you definitely won't. But no, God no. I never watch it again. I was I was tempted to buy it, but I kind of didn't. But um, it, it's a weird one with Justice League because I I can't remember if I saw it with someone else. I think I saw it with Callum, and I can't remember what he thought about it. Yeah. Um, but I think Justice League is a hard one because it's it's similar-ish to Avengers, but it's kind of in Avengers Shadow. And it's one of those things where I'm generally pretty easy going when it comes to superhero films. I generally enjoy all of them, but fucking Batman, Superman, and Man of Steel, both of those films suck. But my take on it is in 50 years' time, if I'm sat around with my family, a couple of kids, my wife, and we, my, we decide to watch a movie one night, and one of my kids goes, Can we watch Justice League? That'll be the fastest divorce and kids up for adoption you could ever, ever see. I will be out that door and disown everybody who's ever wanted to recommend could we watch Justice League. I honestly, I'm, that is, I'm putting that to... I'll make sure I never recommend Justice League then. Yeah, I'll be same out. If I, have, if I have kids and then like Star Wars are out, I've said that. Like When I have a kid, I'm like, well, I just want you to know, if you get into drugs, you, know, you do this, you do that, I'll forgive you and I'll try and help you. But if you tell me Star Wars is shit, you're fucking you're gone. gone. That's you're it. Gone, no... Dead to me. Yeah, you can dead have... to me. You can... You're dead to me. Where is she? Um, you can. Yeah, you can. You can not 
You don't have to love the Star Wars films. You don't have to say they're all perfect because they're definitely very flawed. But if you hate them Jar Jar Binks. Fuck you. Yeah. You said Jar Jar Binks so many times this podcast. I know. It's a, <laughs> see it free, say it three times in the mirror and he appears. Oh, God. Me? Uh, <laughs> Misa. Um, anyway. I think we're pretty much... We're coming up to the hour and a half mark now. So I think we'll, uh, we'll wrap this up. Um, so, yeah. Uh... We did miss a couple of films out, but obviously we didn't get. We're only two guys. We don't get to see every single film that comes out. And yeah. There's quite a few like direct to DVD movies. Human. There's DVDs. There's films come out on Netflix. There's all kinds of other stuff. But um, yeah, so there's some films that we really recommend. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, we'll. Um, you guys, let us know what you think. You know, uh, on social media and all that sort of jazz. You know, I'm just always happy to hear feedback and let us know what you think about all these sorts of films. If you disagree, if you agree, blah blah blah. Um. Uh, make sure you follow us at, um, at I Am Movies, the Instagram page. Um, I'll link it in the um, in the info of this podcast as well. And obviously, be sure to follow this podcast on Instagram. That's genuine chit chat. Um, I think that's really it. I think yeah, we've, definitely. We've, we've been talking about movies now for an hour and a half, and in fact, it's so long now it's starting to get dark in my lounge. So I know. I think it's uh, it's pretty much time to wrap up. So um, yeah, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Alex. Thank you for having me. No worries at all. And uh, yeah, I'll speak to you guys later. Bye bye. And there we are. That's the end of the episode. Um, thanks, as always, for listening, guys. Um, as I said at the start of the podcast, me and Alex do have an Instagram page called I Am Movies. So if you liked the way we sort of, well, our opinions on movies and that sort of thing, and if you're into steelbooks, um, we occasionally post about when new trailers come out and new artwork and just sort of things that interest us about movies, as well as we both have... Um, Odeon Limitless cards so we go to the cinema quite often and see quite a lot of new movies so if you're interested in our takes on new movies be sure to follow us there uh, we do also have a Facebook page but we're a bit more active on Instagram um, yeah next week as I said at the start as well um, I'm with Bradley well I'm not actually going to be with Bradley unfortunately even though I do love him and wish I was with him um, I'm partially joking but not not as much as you probably would like to think um yeah so the podcast part one will be released next week and then obviously part two the following week as i said i can't really remember what we spoke about and i'm too lazy to listen to the podcast now so sorry guys i'm just terrible i'm a terrible human being um anyway you know don't forget to follow us on instagram twitter and facebook well that's on obviously genuine chit chat as well as i am movies if you fancy I am movies not on Twitter, so yeah. Uh, and also subscribe to us, you know, on all the usual podcast apps, on YouTube, all that sort of thing, iTunes reviews, blah blah blah. You probably know the drill by now. Um, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. I appreciate each and every one of you, and I'll be back next week.